Hello and welcome to MacBytes. My name is MacBytes Siri. Oi! Hello and welcome to MacBytes episode 66. I'm Elaine Giles. I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, a catch-up. Silicon and rubber revisited. And Mike explains his interest in rodent breeding. That could explain the rats the size of cats in the last show. It could, but at first, a conundrum for the listeners. Oh, yes. What's got one leg, wobbles seductively, is battery-powered, and has been swathed in rubber by an increasingly desperate member of the MacBytes crew? Do you think they'll work it out? Find out at the end. So, what's been going on since we last graced you with our presence? New toys. When isn't there? That is very true. But this time, I'm talking about iPad Cyril. To you, iPad 3, or even iPad 3rd generation. To us, iPad Cyril. Named by Jane in the See and Touch Live event. Nice one, Cyril. Nice well, we felt iPad 3 stroke iPad 3rd generation needed a much better name. And that was the one we came up with. And um, we've taken it further, haven't we? We have indeed. Although initially that was um, unintentional. <laughs> That's a spelling mistake. <laughs> well, yes, it was a spelling mistake the second time. The first time I'm sure I said it in a webinar. Yes, I've been running a series of webinars all about iBooks Author. Or iBooks Arthur, as it is now known at Matt headquarters. I blame you for this. Thank you. <laughs> yes, anyway, I've decided I would like a MacBook Air. That I'm going to call... Ernie, named after the fastest milkman in the West. He's badge upon his chest. His name was Ernie, and he drove the fastest milk cart in the West. You know, I always thought it was the fastest milk cart in the West. Oh, maybe it is. Shall I Google it? I shall put a link in, into the YouTube video. I've been watching it, and it makes me smile every time, so so it works It is the fastest milkman in the West. Ah, you see, I thought so. I've been watching it too too often. (laughs) Uh, It's a very good video. It's well worth watching. So, next iPad. Yes, I'm already on to the next one. So far, best suggestion is Nigel. I was concerned at first, but I'm liking it now. It's growing on me. Yeah, it has a ring around about it, doesn't it, iPad Nigel? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, don't do this to me. It has a ring around it. Now I'm going to have to put a link to that story you've just been reading into the show notes. (laughs) And I'm not editing this out. Anybody who wants to know what we're talking about, you've got to read, read the, the show notes. notes. <laughs> now, please don't. You've got me sniggering. Yes, um, back to iPad Cyril. Uh, oh, please don't. Right, iPad Cyril, yes. Um, the iPad, the um, Apple Store was down all night. We hadn't decided to order, so what was the problem? <clears throat> yeah, you did eventually tell me. Oh, okay, okay. Well, you went to bed. I mean, you can't go to bed while the Apple Store's still down and, and there's pre-orders to be had. So, um, it, it, telling you um, slipped my mind. Yes, for all nine days? Were we waiting nine days? I think so, yeah. But I did tell you in the end. Uh, yeah, when it was out on the van for delivery. I'm not taking full responsibility for that. Why? I, I was um, tweeting. No, private DMs, they were. Really? That's why I never got to see them. Yes, I was led astray. By? By Jane and Carrie on Twitter. You mean your partners in crime? Well, what it was, I I was seeking opinions. Here we go, what it was. What it was, yes. <laughs> I was seeking opinions as to whether I should just announce Cyril's arrival on Twitter before telling you. Because I'd sent you a text to let you know, and I'd sent you an email. Not my fault you're working a field, is it? No reply for two hours. 
Well, Jane thought it was hysterical, <laughs> mind you. I actually saw I actually saw the the Twitter feed before I saw anything else. That just tells me that you checked Twitter and Facebook before you check your text and emails. No, I no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know I've seen you. Anyway, why were you completely unreachable? Um, I was I was building a spreadsheet about uh, rodent breeding. What? Nude and hairy mice. What strange proclivities you have! And they pay you for doing that. They do indeed. Hmm. Uh, right, so back to iPad Cyril. Um, not tempted to get it engraved? I was, actually. I thought of having it engraved. iPad Cyril. If found, please return to Matbyte's headquarters. <laughs> like it's ever likely to leave your hand. That's true, actually. Plus the fact there was, of course, the other reason. Which was? Matbyte's Siri would have been distraught. Mm, true. <laughs> They don't engrave phones, do they, because they're glass? No, I've never thought of that, actually. Yeah, you would have done for iPhone. iPhone 1, you could. That yeah. was metal, wasn't it? Mmm, there's a thought. iPhone 5 rumours, let's start them early. Let's not. You know we don't do rumours. Oh, I can't be doing with rumours. No. Anyway, so, um, our catch-up. What's broken? Apparently, Apple TV 3 is broken, but we haven't got one. But I did have my own crisis. In fact, it wasn't really my own crisis. I could have well lived without this crisis. It was my mother's crisis. iTunes broke. You missed all this, didn't you? I did. I don't know why. Was I in bed? <laughs> <laughs> you do that a lot. No, it, it was it was one of those, um, you know, when you're trying to troubleshoot something. I do. And it appears random. Yes. Oh, this one was random. Um, I'd updated iTunes, as you do, as you're pestered to do. You can't really say to it, you know, leave me alone until whatever date. There's none of that. And, of course, when you're doing webinars, you, you get messages at stupid times. So um, what was happening was I updated iTunes, completely oblivious to, you know, it looked all right on the screen. But then this is a machine that um, just has an, it's an iTunes installation on it for my mum's ITV and Apple TV. And that's all that's there. That's all that's on it. So I never interfere with this machine. Um, but she said to me, something weird's happened with the Apple TV. And I thought, oh, it'll just be a case of pressing the right button. Apparently not. Yes. I mean, the interface is pretty poor on an Apple TV to start with, but this rendered it completely useless. Um, there are three options. You can sort by date, added, sort by show and sort by unplayed. And um, it had duplicated an existing setting. So she had them alphabetically. I mean, it's still a poor interface because you've got to scroll through thousands of TV shows to find the one you're looking for. But at least it's alphabetical, so you've got a clue where it is. It wasn't alphabetical in the alphabetical section. It had gone by date added, which meant that at the top was the stuff I'd added two years ago. I mean, who tests these things? How can that happen? Even the briefest of checks would show that that wasn't working. Anyway, as if that wasn't bad enough, I then set about trying to fix it. So um, I took a new recording and I added it because I wanted to check, you know, what was actually happening. You know, if I add this now, is that at the top? Is it at the bottom? What's going on with it? And iTunes promptly crashed on me. So I assumed it was a blip and I restarted iTunes. It crashed again at exactly the same point, which was just as I was accessing the movies. And it crashed several more times as I attempted to work out what the problem was. 
And the thing was that made it really strange. I'd got the same version of iTunes. I even transferred the library so that it was the same library on my own machine and it was fine. So it wasn't happening on Lion, but it was happening on Snow Leopard with iTunes 10.6. And I found out what it was. It was when the thumbnail view slider was set to over 50% on iTunes 10.6, on 10.6.8. How does that happen? How, I mean, do they do they sit there and think, let's break it on, you know, this version with this in these circumstances? And um, it was crashing for other people as well. So I thought, well, what needs to happen is I really, you know, I needed a time machine, didn't I, to just get back to where we were. But I haven't got a time machine, <laughs> which meant trying to uh, reinstall iTunes from an old version. Yeah, I've never rolled back iTunes. Um, so it's simple to re simpler to reinstall the old version, isn't it? Oh, would that it were. If you haven't got a time machine and you don't have a backup of the library, you are never going to do it. Because each new version of iTunes updates your library. Mm, it's not good. So that your library can't be read by an older version anyway. The other problem is, which I'd never tried, when I came to install iTunes, um, it wouldn't let me. It won't let you install an older version of iTunes than the one that's on the machine. Mm. If you think I'm bad with tech, you want to see my mother when she's deprived of her Apple TV. Yes, let's not go there. <laughs> Failure wasn't an option, <laughs> was it? <laughs> Luckily, I did have a backup of the old library, and I also had a list of everything that I'd added since that, that backup, which was like three or four programs, that was it. Um, and I persuaded it to install an older version of iTunes by deleting the version that was there, made sure everything was backed up. It's a horrible process. It can be done, but oh boy, is it horrible. And, you know, I've never had to do it before. I hope I never have to do it again. I've not updated our iTunes from that version. I know there is now a version out that fixes the problem. But you know what my first thought was? Go on. What else have they broken? Mm. So I thought I'm going to leave this alone until it absolutely needs to be updated and it's tested first. And, you know, not just tested on my system, which is Lion, but Snow Leopard and, and the precise system that I'm using on her, um, the machine that holds her library. So um, I left it alone. But I've blogged about that. I've blogged about the hideous process. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that. It was horrible. I, I really was concerned that I would never get it fixed. And it, it made it completely unusable. So I'm hoping for better things in terms of the interface for an Apple TV. That would help. And what else were we waiting for in our little break? Uh, Spotify for iPad. Was one We've thing. been waiting for Spotify for iPad for two years. But finally, it's here and it's very pretty, isn't it? Uh, I must admit, actually, I haven't installed it because the way I tend to use Spotify is I'll listen to it when I'm out, say, with a dog on the, on the phone or I'll listen to it when I'm sat at my desk um, on my MacBook. Um, I suppose if I if I ever had the time to lounge around on the sofa uh, with my iPad in my hand, I would listen to it then. But the way I am at the moment, um, that's the way I use it. I know you've installed it, so... Uh... Um, I installed it straight away. Obviously, it came out on Twitter right here, so I downloaded and installed it, which was just as well. You know, immediately service went down under the load. And it is. It's very, very nice, but I kind of agree with you i don't think i sit there and look at it on my ipad it's fantastic for navigating spotify it's wonderful um little bit reminiscent of twitter 
you know, the Twitter client with the yeah. sliding panels. So it's beautiful for, for actually creating playlists and things, but I don't leave the screen of the iPad on when I'm listening to music. So once I've got my playlists and I'm not actually, you know, working with um, what I've saved in Spotify, then I don't have the screen on. But it's a lot better than the one I was using before, which was obviously the, the iPhone version at two times on the iPad. There was a huge difference between iPad 2 and um, our iPad Cyril in terms of it wasn't... Uh, the Retina screen just was fantastic. It could take a two times app and actually make it workable. But, of course, the thing with the iPad is I tend to have it on my desk on its side and a two times app doesn't flip round. Mm, yeah. It'd be handy if it did, to be honest. You know, even if you could only use it at one times, because you're using it on its side as well. So it was something that was definitely needed. But I can't see myself sitting there and interacting with it as I'm listening to music. Not often, anyway. Not often. Far more exciting for me in the end was Omniplan for iPad, which is gorgeous. You've not had a look yet, have you? I opened it up and played a few minutes ago with the um the test ones that are in there the sample projects but i've not had a, a proper look at it yet no because we know your feelings on project management software don't we yes yeah run screaming for the hills <laughs> oh come on it's not microsoft project <laughs> i might be inclined to look at it in that case <laughs> no it's got a beautiful beautiful interface it is very very nice um, I saw the little sneak peeks. And it's one of those apps that I knew I, w I would buy. I don't particularly have the need to plan projects that include a, a, a huge range of other people. But there's often repeatable style uh, things that I do. So if I'm preparing for a webinar, I could put it in as a project plan because a lot of the tasks are the same. Um, so just to be able to follow through and make sure you're doing the right things at the right time. And it, it would work well. I do use Omniplan for desktop, but the iPad version is just, it's just something else. The, the, it's beautiful. Om, Omni Group really make beautiful interfaces. And I'd say so far that's the best one. And of course, it's got the syncing that the other apps are lacking at the moment. So uh, that makes it all the better. It is. It would tempt me to update my project plan. It's that pretty. Yes, I'm that fickle. <laughs> no, I was just mentally scarred like you by Microsoft Project. <laughs> I trained Microsoft Project. I must have I know, been that insane. Was one of the, that was one of the first courses you trained, wasn't it? It was actually the first course I was booked to train. And not only, yes, this is insanity for you people, not only did I decide I was going to become an IT trainer and oh, Microsoft Project was, was going to be my first course, I had three weeks to prepare myself and write a book. On Microsoft Project. Yes, I, do, I don't think I'd take that on today. Yes, but you did it. I did it, yes. Mm. It was the first book I published as well. I must have been mad. Um, and I trained Project quite a lot over the next few years. You didn't, and then you had to. And that was when the trouble really started, wasn't it? Yeah, let's move on. Yes, we don't like Project. Well, no, I don't like Microsoft Project. It's horrible. But Omnipl Omniplan is lovely. I thought the price was quite good too. It was £35. When you think of the price of... Isn't OmniFocus 55? Don't know. I, I'll, leave well, you to, you I'll, leave to, I'll leave you to do the prices. No, you leave me to do the buying. Well, you've got the vouchers installed. Yeah, same thing. iTunes money. Yes. I must admit, I expected it to be around £75, £80 mark. So I was pleasantly surprised. It's $49.99. What am I looking at? OmniFocus. The price of OmniFocus for iPad which I thought was £55. I don't have the... Um, oh, yes, I did. I bought $80. That, 
Yes, that is around £55, isn't it? Yeah. Did I really pay that? Surely it was on offer or something. Hmm, never mind. Let's move along before you start adding things up. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course, the other thing we were waiting for. Hmm, Creative Suite 6. Went well, didn't it? Very well. Oh, not. Where do Adobe... This is a serious question. Where do Adobe get their PR people from? I don't know. Where do Adobe get their PR people from? I don't know. From? Somewhere like Toys R Us, I think. <laughs> It was a debacle. It was a disaster. As per usual, it was released in episodes. They have an event. So they tell you they're having an event where they're making an announcement. And that's all they tell you. And then at at that event, they then tell you that this is an event to announce they are launching CS6. But not today. Oh, no. Then we have a launch day. They've done this before. And I don't think it works. I think people want to know... Okay, Adobe is saying they're having an event next week. Oh, it's probably CS6. And then you turn up and there are the boxes of CS6 and you can just take them home. I think that would work much, much better. But it was released in episodes as usual. So, you know, it it dripped out over about three weeks. And there was all the usual associated debacle with it. Um, There were different events for different countries. The evangelists went all over the world. Notice they didn't come to Manchester. Did you notice that? I did. Mm, we got we got something else entirely, I'm afraid. Um, and of course, there was the pricing. There's always the pricing. But when the UK launch started, which was um, it, it was launched in America on a Monday and uh, the UK on a Tuesday, yeah, always a day behind, day behind, dollar short. And um, it was horrendous. It was supposed to be a live video feed where you could ask questions of two officials from Adobe. And these, well, I don't know, really. Jane did. Jane in Australia managed to watch it. Me here. No, no stream. Lost the stream. Nobody in the UK got to see this thing until about, well, it wasn't five minutes before it was supposed to end. It was five minutes before it did end. There is a big difference there. But um, we got to see these two folks. It was very cheesy, very staged in a sort of sanitised studio situation. And as soon as we got the video feed and thought, right, we've waited 50 minutes for this, um, they cut to a canned version and we didn't get to ask the questions. But what they'd done was they'd embedded a Twitter feed on their page. You know how how companies do? Mm, yeah. But it wasn't a sanitised Twitter feed. As I found out, because obviously I'd vented my spleen on Twitter, and as I'm sat there waiting for this video to come up, thinking this is the usual farce, up came my tweets. <laughs> yeah, they were somewhat critical. Luckily, I wasn't alone, but there they were on the Adobe homepage. And I thought, that's another case of, you know, don't just say, oh, and we need to embed a Twitter feed. Um, the worst thing of the lot with that, though, was um, people were tweeting, why is it more expensive in the UK? They always ask that. I think that's a valid question, especially if it's a cloud-based service, which the new CS6 has a cloud-based service associated with it. But of course, Adobe's PR make you think. What do you think Creative Cloud is, Mike? What do I think Creative mm. Cloud is? If, if I didn't, Before you knew. If I didn't know what Creative Cloud was, I would have thought it would be a cloud-based version of Photoshop and the other apps. Yes, a lot of people do. I've, I've spent the best part of the last two months explaining that Creative Cloud is not actually a cloud-based version of Creative Suite. Why did they have to use the word cloud? There, there, is, there are cloud services associated with it, but it is not a cloud version of the suite. And of course, that doesn't need to be geographical. If you're signing up for a service, 
then it should be similar price the world over. And it's not. Even if you include the UK VAT, it is 27% more expensive in the UK. And I think it's even more expensive in places like Switzerland for no good reason. So people were asking the question of Adobe and they came back with, I don't like to use the term answer, but I will. They came back with, well, a suggestion. Let's say they came back with a suggestion. And I think from a PR perspective, this is appalling. DM us, follow us on Twitter, we'll follow you back, you DM us and we'll give you some information. So they weren't prepared to come out publicly and tell you what that information was. So I didn't bother. I don't see the point. But that's not the way to handle it, is it? It's not good, no. No. On the upside, I did find a free tutorial application for iPad from them. So um, I've put a link in the show notes. I haven't actually tried it yet. I'm dangerous actually putting a link, isn't it, till you have. It assures <laughs> me it's a free tutorial app from Adobe for iPad. So I'll put a link in there. But... Um, it could have been handled better. We had our own little launch party, and I thought ours went much better, didn't you? Uh, very, very good, yeah. Yes, we, we did a, what it actually is Creative Cloud, and more importantly, what is it not, and um, a demo of some of the apps. So I'm sure we'll be revisiting that in, in webinars in the future, but uh, we had a little party for it. What else were we waiting for? Windows 8. can honestly say I wasn't, <laughs> but if you were, fair enough. Uh, well, I wasn't really waiting for Windows 8, but I know... That's because some... at work you'll probably get that around 2025. Yeah, I know I know. there's been some talk about it. Um... I've been surprised, as ever. I always am. You, you never cease to, to amaze me, people. How many Mac users immediately download it? Because a beta I, version, isn't there? C- c- can I um, stick my hand up here? Up what? <laughs> <laughs> Up Windows 8, if it, if can, it thrills I, you, feel I, free. I tried to install it last week. Um, really? Yeah, I created um, a virtual machine, um, and it went through the process of downloading it, and it said, you know, get click here, start the install, blah, blah, blah. Sacrifice and, chicken. Huh? Well, yeah, I didn't sacrifice enough chickens, because when it came to the end of it it says it was unable to install windows 8 beta uh, and we've put your machine back to the way it was oh that was good of them oh i like that option (laughs) never seen that option before so i gave up and i saved myself 20 gig of hard drive space yeah that that would work far better for me oh that's a dirty little secret you're sharing you didn't tell me that before oh you were busy doing something else that was when i I know what i wasn't doing and that was windows 8 bothering that was when i was swearing at my computer and trying to increase the amount of hard drive space and stuff like that ah i should have known the clues were there weren't they um anyway do you want to talk about the the different versions yeah it's thrilling isn't it I, I, it this, is. This is one of the reasons I just love a Mac. It's OS X. There you go. Sorted. Now, Windows 7 Home Basic is going to be replaced by an unnamed replacement. An unnamed replacement. That's good marketing. Oh, that's obviously <laughs> where the PR department from Adobe went. Windows 7 Home Premium is now going to be Windows 8. That's because everybody called Windows 7 Home Premium Windows 7. Yeah. I should go into PR. I could make a fortune and retire after a week. Whilst you're running the country as well. Yes, I do that on a Friday afternoon. Only takes me half an hour. Windows 7 Professional, Windows 8 Pro. Not professional, you know, Pro. They pay the PR company for these ideas. Yeah, but that means you can get it in a tweet in less characters. 
Do you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe people can't spell professional. Windows 7 Enterprise, that, that term always worries me, Enterprise, usually means lockdown grief. Starship Enterprise. Oh, this is a classic, though. Windows 7 Enterprise. They weren't thinking of Twitter when they thought of this one. <laughs> Windows 8 for enterprise customers with software assurance agreements. Catchy. <laughs> Not quite sure about that one myself. I think that means pay them a lot of money and you get some kind of subscription deal. But Windows 7 Ultimate... I'm sure we had that one, didn't we? I think so, yes. I hasten to add, I did not purchase this thing on, on an intentional basis. I, I've got some kind of deal going with um, a, a pack thing for trainers thing. N- notice me backpedalling very, very <laughs> quickly there. Yes, well, anyway, Windows 7 Ultimate. There's no equivalent. But there is a very expensive alternative. So I think Microsoft have um, sorted themselves out there. How many versions was that? One, two, three, four, five... I wouldn't know where to start, which is pretty much what I'm like trying to use Windows. But anyway, there was also a Windows RT. I never did find out what that was. Runtime. I know know what it means, RT runtime. But is it going on devices? Is it going on, is it a normal version of Windows? I've no idea where they're putting that. But I did start to be thinking about, remember Windows ME? Yeah. And the fun we had with the names? Yeah. Mm. I know runtime, but I was thinking... um, well, there was Rare Treat, but I don't think it's a Rare Treat. <laughs> and then I started thinking about actually using Windows. Windows RT, random transfers. No? No. No. My best one was Rancid Technology. Really tasty? No, really tacky. Anyway, all right, that's our window. Look at Windows. No, it, it's not fair to laugh at Windows users, is it? But, oh dear, dear, dear me. So you're not upgrading at work then? Uh, no, I think they're going up to Windows 7. Up to. Up mm, to from right. So the minute it's pensioned off, your your company moved to it. Yeah. Mind you, you could say that's tested. Yeah, that's true. At least you know what the problems are before you've started. Anyway, that's the stuff that um, has appeared in our absence, but there are certain things we're still waiting for, aren't there? Yes. I thought if I went away for long enough, then it might happen. No. Yes. What's the number one thing I'm still waiting for? I work. Yes, I work 10, 11, 12, 13 till it is applicable. But I have high hopes. More on that later. I have high hopes. But I've had high hopes for the last two and a half years. And I've been bitterly disappointed. It's not good, me as a bitterly disappointed woman. And I was reminded this week as well of something else I've been waiting for, for I think as long as I work. You know what that is? No. Blu-ray on Mac. Oh, yeah. Not going to happen, is it? No. No, they're more likely to take the DVD drive away <laughs> yeah. and fill the hole in in the side. And that's me sorted. Hmm. Oh, well, don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But uh, you're waiting for something too. I'm waiting for Office on iPad. We've, we've got sort of Office on iPad with Cloud on, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Should I say next week? No. Okay, next no, episode. Like, you're only giving me to false hope. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the real, true Microsoft Office on iPad is what I'm waiting for. Sounds, sounds like a Christmas list. Yes, it does, doesn't it? I, I don't like to ask this, but, but is there a reason why? Yes, because I like Microsoft Office. I like iPads. I'm glad I've got that recorded. I like Microsoft Office. The blackmail potential is endless, though. People know yes, I, I like Microsoft Office. Oh, Microsoft Office is spawn of the devil. Why, mm. why, why? Move along, no, move along. Nothing to see here. No, no. iPhone 5. There's plenty of rumours about iPhone 5, isn't there? There is. They're probably the same ones from last year. The ones that We're still waiting for those. I, I, I would like to hope here that we don't see iPhone 5 before we see Mac Pros. Mm. I think we should see Mac Pros before iPhone 5. I wonder if they'll pension those off completely. 
Should we start a rumour? No, don't. No, no, we don't there's do far rumors. too many rumours out there mm. already. We're, we're still waiting for the mythical Apple TV, which either will happen or won't happen, and whether you it does or say. it doesn't. Exactly. It will happen or it won't happen, <laughs> you see? Yeah. You, this is what you come here for. Insight. Clear insight like that. It'll either happen or it won't. I don't care either way. So, moving swiftly along. While we were away, there's also... I can't actually say that, can I? But there's stuff that's a bit of a pain in a certain part of the anatomy. In the bottom. Did you get caught by the Apple ID security thing? <sighs> I did, but not till after you'd got caught. And also my colleague, she got caught as well. Um, and luckily I'd seen you getting caught, so I knew what it was all about. And she said, oh, you can explain what it is in a minute. But she said, I've been through all of this once. Well, I was concerned with it. What, what's happening is Apple are beefing up security on your Apple ID, which is good. It's good that they're doing that. Quite happy that they're doing that. But please, don't bother me when I'm on an iOS device with it. Let me do it from my Mac. Now, I suppose they, they, they're not going to make that distinction because some people never buy anything on a Mac. I mean, my father would never do anything on his Mac to do with his Apple ID. I take care of that. But no, he probably wouldn't. But I think when you're on your iOS device, it's not the best time to put in the most secure answers. Now, I know what they wanted you to do was choose three questions and give the correct answer to them. Well, what kind of security is that? If they say, which teacher did you most hate at school? I think everybody who knew me at school would know that instantly. So I wanted to uh, use one password to generate random strings for the answer to each of the questions. So it didn't matter which question I chose. I just put random strings against them. And for that, I needed to be on my Mac. So I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll log in on my Mac and I'll wait for it to, to ask me and then I'll set it up. And it didn't ask me. But every time I touched my iPad, it bothered me. So I thought, I'm not doing this on my iPad. I'm not. I'm not. Which meant I couldn't update anything until I'd actually got through the process on my desktop. So Apple, that could have been a little bit easier. My only concern was if I ever had to get on the phone to them and they asked me these security questions, I'm never actually going to be able to pronounce the random string <laughs> that I generated. Um, but you do actually need these random strings every time you log into your Apple ID. So um, thankfully, I have one password. I could not live without it. Yes, they'd be thinking that your primary school teacher had a very strange name. <laughs> well, it's just more secure. I'm, I'm not putting in proper information. I don't care what the questions are. I'm not. Because I, if somewhere else asked you the same question, could you honestly say with the number of logins you've got that you've never been asked that particular question before? And I don't think you can. No. So I just answer everything with, with random strings. And if one password ever disappeared... But I'm not thinking like that. No, not at all. But I think if you're on an iOS device, can you imagine typing all that in? Mm, nasty. I, I don't want bothering on an iOS device with it. I know there's one password for iOS, but I would be backwards and forwards copying and pasting that much. It would be horrible. So, um, yes, that happened. And I wasn't I wasn't pleased with that. But there is other thing as well. And I'm sure the MacBiters want to share it with us on a personal level. Yes. Go on. April the 12th. We uh, celebrated our 20th anniversary together. Oh, do you think that deserves an ooh? Yeah, no, probably not. That's probably that's probably too much information. Yes. So, um, yes, that, that was rather nice. That was rather nice. And I heard from Clout. Yes, I got an email from Clout. We've talked about Clout before and I see it's becoming more and more popular. Um, I'm not sure how it actually works, though. I did read a long article about it that said it doesn't matter how many plus Ks somebody gives you. And I thought, well, that's silly. 
I can I can see it if it's just like one or two plus Ks. They might choose to ignore them. But, you know, if you've got somebody who a lot of people recommend, then surely it should have some influence. But I don't know. So I clicked this link as you do. Bad move. As unswervingly accurate as ever, Clout claims that I am influential about certain topics. Guess what the first one was? Go I know on. what you're thinking. You're thinking Mac, aren't you? Yes. You're thinking iOS devices. No, number one on my list that I'm influential about. Shopping. Mm. Uh, yeah, Mac shopping, probably. Tech Not shopping. too sure about the logic of that one, though. Not at all. Um, they, they also, in there, have this thing where you can check your replies. And apparently, in the last three months, it, it sort of profiles you for three months. In the last three months, I've had 1,500 1, replies. In 90 days. Really? Boy, I'm chatty. Mm. <laughs> so, yes, I'm, I'm influential about shopping now, so I shall be um, pimping myself out as a personal shopper. As long as you, everything you want from the Apple Store, you're sorted. Fair enough. Apparently, uh, I'm influential about uh, football, you don't say. Oh, no, 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 don't no, no, don't make me go there. No. No, I don't have to bleep it out. Carry on. Talking about football, um I'm I've got a new new toy as well. I'm now using the Sky Sports app. There's a there's a well it's not that new actually. There they there was a Sky Sports app, I think it was called Sky Sports Mobile for the iPad. Uh, well, for the iPhone, you could put it on the iPad as well. Um No, you couldn't put it on the iPad, could you? No, no, no. You had to pay was it? Thirty-five and a half quid. times more. Yeah, thirty-five yeah. pounds. Um, that was that was eight pounds a month, and you know that was just paid through through direct debit or whatever it was. And they they were actually stopping that. They actually stopped that. But I did, you know, they they didn't turn it off. What they said was that you know if you if you lost the use of the app, if you lost you know the app file, which is why I always kept a spare copy, then you couldn't uh, download it. So they they stopped that being downloadable. Uh, but they brought this new one out called sky sports app and um it costs more it costs 10 pound a month instead of eight pounds but it did have a number of benefits um you can pay via itunes um and you can actually just stop at any time you want so what i've done is at the end of the football season i've just gone in and i've i've stopped the auto renew and then i'll restart it again in august so that's going to save me a few quid. I think it's actually on offer. I think it's it's only four pounds or five pounds a month at the moment. For um, in fact, I think it's three months for four ninety nine a month. I wasn't yes, sure because if it was three I months. had to change my dad to it as well. He was in exactly the same position you were with the old app, uh, but he got a new phone and it wouldn't transfer to it. So he had to upgrade. We cancelled his old, old subscription, subscribed him up to this one, which is now why he may be prompted on his iOS device for a password, yeah. which is a major pain. Um, and he's gone over to that. So I'm now managing putting on iTunes vouchers and making sure there's enough credit there every month so it automatically renews. You mean you're not going to let him do it himself? No. Parental controls have a whole different <laughs> meaning at MacBytes headquarters, trust me. <laughs> this is very true. The the good thing though about this this app, the Sky Sports TV app, is that it does support multiple devices. I think it supports up to two devices. So I've actually got it on the iPad and the iPhone. And the you know the other good thing is if well you might think it's good, you might not, but I did, is it allows you to watch two different Sky Sports channels. So the last day of the football season, I was watching the United game on one device and the City game on the other. 
not the right result I wanted, but uh, from a tech <laughs> point of view, it was uh, it was a good success. Oh yeah, you need to mention that on the iPad it needs to run at two times, but yeah. that's just not too bad, yeah. is it? Actually, running it running it at uh, one time at well one time <laughs> one x. <laughs> It looks quite good. Obviously, it doesn't fill the screen, but the, the picture is sharp. Running it at two times is still pretty good. It's not um, jaggedy. It's not sort of um, pixelated. It, it You do actually get a good picture. It may even be better on an iPad 3rd gen. Yeah. But because you can only have it on two, I don't have it on iPad mm. Cyril. Mm. The other thing we found, I think, when we were updating your dad's um, iPhone, was the Sky Sports news. Uh, it actually needed a new app. You, although it said there was an update available, you couldn't just update it. You actually had to install a whole new app, didn't you? There's quite a few people talking about that. Apparently, it was because they'd added adverts into it, and they couldn't do that in the old app. So you opened this app, and it just gave you like, um, you know, the spinning thing that you get when your Mac's starting up. Yeah. And of course, he sat looking at it, waiting for it to do something. But underneath, there were two little icons, and you had to tap one of these icons to load, you know, to go to the store and buy a new app. But of course, then he would have needed his password, and that would just be dangerous. He doesn't know his password. Like I said, parental <laughs> control. So uh, yes, we had to do that as well. I do think that's silly, making it uninstall apps and, and installing new apps and then transferring all your settings and stuff. It seems ridiculous and yeah, I don't know why um, they added ads to it anyway. There was another one. The WebEx app was the same. You had to uninstall that and reinstall the, the new one from scratch. Sometimes, though, when, when apps do that, I've had that, especially with conferencing apps, like you're saying, you know, if you don't actually read the release notes... <laughs> Which I never do. ...then you don't know that. I mean, I caught it, you know, literally just as I was looking, I thought, it, you want me to what? And I did actually read it. But sometimes on older apps, like iPad 1, which lives in a drawer most of the time, but does have a, a role to play here when I'm doing webinars, I'll take it out of the drawer. I won't have had it out of the drawer for a fortnight, and it'll say 89 updates. I'm not going to be reading the release notes for all updates. So I think you could well miss that. Why can't they just make it an update to the existing app? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Something else I've done recently as well on the tech front is I've started using Chrome at work. Um, somebody somebody on our Yammer forum pointed out that you could install Chrome. It doesn't interfere with the registry. And although it's not officially on the supported list, if you actually just go to, to the download page and click download Chrome and it will install it, it doesn't need any um, sort of admin rights on our PCs. So I've done that. It It is making my life easier. It actually lets me use, means I can use Evernote and Dropbox now, which just didn't work under IE7, surprise, surprise. And they're so well supported at work, aren't they? Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, mm. should I really have said that? <laughs> so you're using some contraband software to access two contraband services. Yeah, we might have to cut that bit. Yeah, move, um, move on. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it just, it's just generally faster and just helps me work faster. Work smarter, not harder, as they say. Mm. Well, you've got mice to bother, haven't you? Yes. And I've been just changing things for the sake of changing them haven't i you have i've moved my dock to the bottom of my screen which admittedly is where most people's is probably already there but mine wasn't mine was on the right hand side and i've moved it down to the bottom i'm wondering if i move mine let's go on position on bottom let's see how where's it gone <laughs> brilliant it's probably totally... on the other monitor 
It's total- oh, there it is. It's on the other monitor. It's like oh, playing- and I'm not even in the same room. Like you playing are playing whack-a-mole. Yes. Now, why are you doing that? Because you have done, and I thought I'd just try it. I'm going but to. But you know why I did. Uh, I know why you did, but you're going to tell the listeners why you did. <laughs> well, I I thought about it. It wasn't done without thought. Um, it was because I've seen screenshots of Mountain Lion, and there is um, a notification centre on the right hand side which is going to be problematic. It's going to be interfering with my dock. So I thought about it and I probably wouldn't have decided, you know, if it's not broken, don't try fixing it. That's my motto. And it wasn't broken. And then I realised I don't actually use the dock at all. So it shouldn't really matter where it is if I don't use it. Um, I don't like making changes. Do you remember when we had Launch Bar and Quicksilver? And we had it using a, a separate shortcut and then we, we reprogrammed it. Yeah. So it used the spotlight shortcut and it took three weeks to get used to it. Mm. So that was why I didn't... It, that just dissuaded me slightly from moving it, but I decided I would put it at the bo- bottom. The other benefit is it meant that I could have a secondary monitor, which I always have on my left-hand side. I could move it to the right if I wanted and not have to move the dock. So I've come round to Apple's way of thinking. It only took six and a half. <laughs> you always do in the end. Yes, in the end. You're like natural that scrolling. Possibly. No, let's just say possibly. The dock may be better at the bottom, but I actually have my dock set to hidden anyway, and I don't use it. There are no icons on my dock when I start up the Mac. Well, I suppose that's not strictly true. There's the ones that you can't get rid of, but if I could get rid of them, I would. So I have the Finder icon at the top, and I have the trash at the bottom, and that's it. There is nothing else on my dock. Should we have Obviously, a Matt Bites vote? What? Should we have a Matt Bites vote? Ask the listeners to tell us where their dock is. Absolutely. I'll leave that in your capable hands. Okay, listeners. As I was saying. Tell us where your dock is. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to need a link and a proper little form to vote. That'll keep you occupied all night. So when I run software, it appears in the dock. But you know you've got those lights next to active software? I do. I really don't need that at all because if it's in the dock, it's running. Um, so I, I don't see it and I never interact with it. I have other ways to work. I use Launch Bar as my launcher, so I never move my uh, pointer down to an icon and click it to run it, ever. Never, ever done that all the while I've, I've been using a Mac. Um, and I suppose the other way you would interact with it is to switch between applications. And I use the application switcher that's built into the Mac command and tab but i also have an application called which that lets me switch between not only open applications but the windows within each application so the dock doesn't get much use so i thought in that case it shouldn't matter too much so i moved it and to be honest i've really not noticed i've only had one problem with it and that's got nothing to do with I mean, it wouldn't be happening, I suppose, if it was on the right, but it shouldn't be happening at all, which was in a webinar. I was demonstrating iBooks Author, or iBooks Arthur, as we call it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't snigger. And um, because I have to set my screen size quite small, I need iBooks Author to fill the screen. So I was running it. I wasn't running it full screen as in Lion full screen. I had the window, the full size of my monitor, which was 1600 by 900. And when I went in to edit an interactive image, there is a little HUD that appears. Um, the dark, it's, it's like a dialogue box, but it's, it floats over. So it appears and disappears at will on its own. And I couldn't get it displaying. 
And I thought, where's it gone? I can't, I can't actually use this feature if I can't get this. And I realised that what it had done was it had opened it virtually off screen. It was right down the bottom of the screen where the dock is, but my dock's hidden. So pretty much it was behind the dock. And to grab hold of it was very difficult with the dock at the bottom. It wouldn't have been difficult with the dock out of the way, but it was very difficult with the dock in the normal position where it is on any shipped Mac. So not the best experience there, but that's really been the only issue. So I don't think you'd notice if your dock was at the bottom, unless you use it more than you say you do. Me? No, I, I hardly use it at all. Mm, I don't think you'll notice then. So I'm future-proofing, ready for mountain lion. That's what I'm up to. When I'm not getting in trouble, which obviously I did at said Adobe launch in Manchester. Oh, we yes. Didn't, we didn't get real Adobe, did we? We had two people from Adobe UK, but we didn't have any of the evangelists flying in from all over the world. But it was put on by a local company, and um, it didn't go well, did it? Most people who follow me on Twitter will know. I should blog about that. I think you should. I should. Yes. But what they did have was Adobe-branded iPad cases. Up for grabs? iPad Cyril was shaking like a leaf. Poor lamb. You're right, Siri. iPad Cyril was begging for mercy. The ignominy of it. In fact, it was worse than that because they were prizes, weren't they? For <laughs> yes. asking a question. So, you know, you've gone to a launch event and you got a prize for asking a question. It's like a kid's party. Mm. Cyril threatened me with GBH if I so much as looked like I was going to ask a question. So Cyril left proceedings naked, a bit like your mice. Hmm. And finally, shall I do my um, dum 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 dum? Oh, please dum. don't. <laughs> oh. And finally, Google Wave is dead. Do you know what? what? I didn't think it were possible, but in the end, I was relieved. Why? Because I got three thousand e emails from <laughs> Google telling me that Google Wave was sunsetting. Yes, I, I'm, I'm getting those kind of mails from Apple at the moment. Oh, I'm getting those as well. Yes, Mobile Me is yes. sunsetting. Only 21 days to go. Yes, I'm, I'm going to hold out until there's one day left. <laughs> me I just too. want to see. Now, now it's become a matter of pride and honour. <laughs> I want to see what they're going to say to try and persuade me into it. I've always said I was going to sort it out on the 30th of June. I'm going to stick to that now. I might have a look on the 29th. I'll think about it. But... um. Google, not just bothering me, are they now? What have they done? They've bought uh, Quick Office, which um, is one of the... I'd say it was actually the, the, the best of the, uh, the iPad apps that allows you to create and edit and, and view uh, Microsoft Office files. There's, there's a, three or four of them. There's uh, Documents to Go. There's um, Quick Office. There's obviously the one I mentioned earlier, Cloud On. Um, and I think there's there's one called Smart Office, and I think there's another one as well, Office HD. And certainly, Quick Office was was the best one in terms of compatibility and what it can do. Well, don't um, worry about it. I've ordered the wreath. Okay, it won't be long. No. On the plus side, it, it could actually be that we now get something decent to work with uh, Google Docs on the iPad. So let's see. That's right. You'll be taking the happy pills again. Because everything Google's ever bought always works out so well, doesn't it? Mm, true. I wish they would, because that's a real pain point on the iPad, trying to use Google Docs. So I've stopped doing it. I've stopped trying. It's sort of a hybrid mobile experience, and it's horrible. I can't believe two and a half years on, and, and it, it's the same. You can't even use 
a decent browser on there to access it. I've tried it every time a browser comes out. I have a go with it, thinking maybe Google Docs will be better in it. And it isn't. So no. I'm not impressed. But we, we can live in hope and die in despair as usual. <laughs> Should we go on to better things? And uh, you can tell the listeners about something that you found this week. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> yes, it's time for the app review. You stole my thunder now. Now they know what it's called. Right, it is an application called Found, that I found in the App Store. Yes, it's uh, available from the Mac App Store. You can also get it online from, well, you not get it online, but uh, you will find the site supporting it at foundapp.com. And its tagline is a deliciously simple app for finding your everything. And it is, it's an interface for searching your Mac. But it doesn't stop there. You can also search Dropbox, Google Drive stroke Google Docs stroke Google whatever they're calling it this week, and your attachments within Gmail as well. Now, you're thinking Spotlight. Um, the reason I would say this is possibly better than Spotlight, you might want to use it instead, is that it does search those online um, services, but also it's much, much faster than Spotlight. Do you still have problems with Spotlight? I've stopped using Spotlight. I don't use it much either. I, I love the idea of it. And if you're not using anything else, then obviously it's fantastic. But if you use it a lot, I find the fact it starts populating as soon as I start typing um, a, more than annoying. So I do use other stuff, um, but this is very, very fast. It, the, the results are instant. But there's also an instant preview. So as you start moving down the list of results, um, you immediately get a preview next to it. Now, what surprised me was uh, when I did my test with it, I included the name of an Illustrator file. Now, sometimes, not long ago, the system couldn't even preview Illustrator files. But this one did, and it was instant. So it wasn't a case sometimes, you know, when you do a quick quick look, yeah. it takes quite a while to load in and think about it. This was instant. Now, it will have been an Illustrator file with a PDF preview embedded in it, but even so, I've seen the system take longer than that to preview it. So how it works, you've got... Um, it does install a menu bar icon. And I'm on, on the prowl at the moment with that menu bar icons and how many apps put stuff there and not let you remove it. You know, no toggle. So it does put an icon there, but there's also a shortcut key, which is quite strange. It's a double shortcut key. You very quickly tap control twice. Now, that was potentially a problem for me because it can't be changed and it conflicts with launch bar. In launch bar, you have an option for instant send. I bet you don't use that, do you? No. Now, what Instant Send does, if you've got a file, so you're in Finder, you're on your desktop, and you have a file, and you click to select it. If you use this Instant Send option, it instantly sends the file itself to Launch Bar, and from there you can choose an application for it to open with. So it's fantastic for graphics if you want to open a particular graphics with, with say, Pixelmator rather than Fireworks or Photoshop. You choose the app that you open with it. It sends it to LaunchBar and then you choose the app. Well, in LaunchBar, it is configurable. But if you're used to double clicking um, the control key, then that's now going to open found. But luckily in LaunchBar, I always had it set, uh, Instant Send, to work on a double control tab or a double function tab. So all I've got to do is remember that launch bar is now double function rather than control. And it doesn't seem to cause a problem. So even though I haven't changed my settings in launch bar, it is still working properly. So 
found itself springs out from the left edge of your screen. So it's one of these apps, I'm seeing more and more of these apps that sort of cling to the edge of your screen. Um, which again, potentially, it is a bit odd for my dual monitor setup because it's on the left hand side of your main screen. And obviously I've got another monitor on the left of that, so it sort of pops up in the middle of my work area. But it works. And the thing is, I've also got Yoink. You probably don't use that either, do you? No. No, there's a lot of apps you don't use. Mm. You need taking in hand. <laughs> So, um, yes, Yoink. Yoink is all to do with um, dragging and dropping um, items between screens and things. But the point with it is it also occupies that space on the left-hand side of the main monitor. So my first thought when I th saw this was, oh, I'm not going to have to choose between them, am I? But no, they both happily coexist on the same area of the screen because they both shrink back. You don't see them unless you've actually activated them. So that does work. It works rather well. Surprise me, actually. Um, you do have some options in there. Uh, one of the options is very similar to the Dropbox option for having a black and white icon. With the infamous quote next to it, it's much prettier in pink, but not everyone agrees. Mm. Mm, they know me. Yes, the icon itself that uh, it, it installs into your menu bar is pink, but you do have that option to turn it uh, to a black and white icon. Um, I don't like either there and I don't see the need and there is no option to turn it off. Why do apps do this to me? Why does every app think that it's earned the right to get space in your menu bar? Does that annoy you? Not as much as it annoys you. That's because you are only running three apps. Yes, I, I'm running 303 apps and it, it bothers me greatly. Uh, you can opt to launch it at login from the preferences as well. Now, the, the biggest uh, problem for me was it only searches the main hard drive. So it doesn't search external drives, which is probably why it's so blindingly quick. That is uh, a bit of a problem for you, isn't it? Oh, it is for me. With your, uh, what is it, 50 hard drives? 51, thank 51. you. 51. Mm. Yes, 51. I've um, just got one. You can't customise that either. But, but I can see, because, you know, like, eventually I come round to Apple's way of thinking, like where the dock is. Apple wants you to work mobile, don't they, on something that resembles a MacBook Air? Yeah. So you'll only have one hard drive anyway. Mm. Unless the stuff you're looking for is on a pen drive, in which case don't go there. But, you know, I can imagine if you were working mobile, this would be absolutely brilliant. Or if you do keep all your documents on your main hard drive, uh, you can't customise the search locations yet. But it implies in the interface, because it uses the word yet, maybe one day. Now, if you're thinking about cloud services and searching them from this app there is a good explanation within the app itself about security and just what it does send and what it does do with your data but to be honest the usual caveats have got to apply complete security means you'd never use anything so it's up to you to decide if you're happy in, in terms of letting it do that and the Dropbox thing, I can see what they're meaning, but your Dropbox data tends to be on your main hard drive anyway. So it found those two automatically. But the other services in terms of Google and whatever else you wanted to search, you may choose to think twice. Just be careful with that. Um, but conclusion, I'd get it because it's free. Did I mention it's free? It's a free app from, from the App Store. It's not like you to recommend a free app. I'm, I'm renowned for not mentioning prices because they're usually hideously expensive. But what I'm doing is, is saving the MacBiters from themselves, ready for next week. WWDC. <laughs> so they're going to need some money. So I've gone for a free app. 
Um, if you need more power than that, if you would like something better than Spotlight, then there are two alternatives that I actually use. There's Tembo and Huda Spot or Howda Spot. They're both from the same company. One is £10.49 and I got mine from the App Store, so that's Tembo. The other one is $30, which must be about, ooh, probably around £26, given the exchange rate. Um, Tembo is very, very quick and you don't need to configure too much to get it to work. Huda Spot means you do have to configure a lot more, but I would say if it's real heavy duty searching you want, that's probably the best one. But I had that one first and I got Tembo and I, I use Tembo just for speed. If I want a very detailed query, then I will crank up Huda Spot. But other than that, um, I would probably stick with Tembo. But this one's definitely got potential, especially given that it's free. And of course, when I get my MacBook Air, I think I'll definitely use that one because I would expect to use that with all my data in one location. And for that, it's absolutely perfect. So it's called Found and it is available in the Mac App Store. And at the moment, it's free. It doesn't mention charging, but you never know. So get it while it's free. But now it's time for feedback and comments. And we have a classic piece from Jane. Yes, it's the second half of her MacBytes listening marathon. Settle down, nice cup of tea or coffee, and enjoy Jane. Hello, fellow MacBiters. It's Jane Griffiths in Perth, Western Australia. You know that lunatic woman that re-listened to all the MacBytes episodes and then did an audio piece on it for the MacBytes show? Yes, yes, that one. You remember, don't you? No, what do you mean, no? Of course you do. Well, anyway, they tell me she's back. Shh, there's the voices again. So, anyway, last time, this woman only reported on the first 37 episodes. Flipping part-time, huh? Well, I hear she's finally knuckled down and listened to the rest of the shows and has reported her findings to the MacBytes crew. And you know, the strangest part. Yeah, it's it's that her voice. It, it sounds just like mine. Yeah, weird, I know. Anyway, you have to listen and see what you think. Stop talking at the back there and listen. Welcome everyone to part two of the MacBytes Listening Marathon. Yes, it's only a mere six months since my last MacBytes Listening Marathon instalment. Well, there's no use rushing then these things, is there? So without further ado, I shall start where I left off, and that's with the infamous MacBytes crew, chattering away on episode 38 in November 2009. Mike comes home from work and thought for a nanosecond that Elaine had actually cooked the evening meal. But although Elaine had created a spaghetti bolognese, it was not of the edible variety. It had instead been created with her network cables. You see, her local network had been giving her problems due to faulty cables, and the usually pristine office was now resembling a giant bowl of spaghetti. Her day went steadily downhill when her iPod shuffle was declared to be too old to play an audible audiobook. How dare anyone suggest that there may exist aged technology in the MacBytes headquarters? As if. Mike also had his own problems of an iOS app nature, namely Sky Sports app. But as this is a sports-related problem, I therefore have no interest in it and will fast forward past that. 
Oh, and Minster gets his thongs in a twist when he emails the show. Hmm. In December 2009, Elaine gets hysterical over a busy Cal calendar panel, nearly as high-pitched as the very loud <gasps> Info Panel! Mike returns to his perennial problem of his sensitive wrist action while lying in bed. In relation to operating his Twitter client, of course. Moving swiftly along, Mike purchases not one, but two MX Revolution mices. Mouses? Mises? And Mike is finally spared the endless, ear-splitting creaking from Elaine's chair when she purchases a new one, much to Mike's oral relief. And once more we move swiftly on. To Mike, explaining why he parks up in country roadside laybys, allegedly watching cricket on his iPhone. Very strange behaviour. We hear of the MacBytes Christmas party. And can I just stop and ask, did anyone, any single person that listens to this podcast, get an invite to the aforementioned MacBytes Christmas party? Because I certainly didn't. Perhaps they just don't love me enough. Anyway, it is the new year of 2010. The MacBiters return from their extended Christmas sabbatical to report on their purchase of an airport extreme. No more failures on the Wi-Fi front. And it even works for something called a Vista laptop. No idea what that is. And Santa's little helper makes Mike's Christmas by bringing him a whopping 17-inch MacBook Pro even though the courier did its best to lose his not-so-little toy. Elaine says she's holding out for Blu-ray on the 27-inch iMac before she buys one. <laughs> Remember, this is way back in January 2010. Yeah, we all know that was well worth waiting for. And the explanation of their experience with the Simplicity Sim for iPhone was far from simple. It totally confused me with talk of various bolt-ons, visual voicemail and their 10 million free texts. My brain was spinning at the end of that one, but hey, I'm easily confused. Elaine then declares she's had the Paperboy, which is an app from a previous century, apparently. And then they, and then they predict the possibilities of what may appear at the upcoming January Apple event. Yes, they chose to predict that iWork 10 would be unveiled. Ho-hum, keep guessing, folks. It is now 22nd of February 2010, featuring Pink Tech the Pink Stinks campaign with Barbie dressed as computer engineer, but totally outfitted in pink. I think Mike should collect the full range of Barbies in pink because Elaine admits she has had an action man. And no, it wasn't Mike. Lightroom 3 confounds and disappoints Elaine with poor performance, but never mind because Elaine is wowed by the new Fujitsu ScanSnap S1300 portable scanner. It works cross-platform and can even reverse-engineer Excel files. And of course, Mike just has to mention pivot tables. I've got one of those. A scan snap, not a pivot table. I think they sell those in Ikea, don't they? Discussions on the newly announced iPad ensue, and we hear their eager anticipation at the prospect of obtaining said iPad. The Google Buzz raises its head, and Elaine speaks of her love for Google Wave, soon to be deceased. Uh, the wave, that is, not Elaine. We move on to the magic mouse. Andy in Surrey sends in a long review to entice Elaine to the touch-sensitive joys of the magic mouse. 
Will she succumb to its temptations and abandon her precious MX revolutions? Keep following these episodes to find out. Derek tempts Mike with suggestions of a stylish MacBook Pro case. But at $180, well, <laughs> we shall wait and see. And this was the show in which Mike receives an unexpected gift of a pair of thongs, which he willingly agrees to be photographed wearing for the delectation of the MacBytes listeners. And yes, the photographs are still on the MacBytes website for all to see. Where is that censorship when you need it? As we gently glide into March of 2010, Elaine goes to the Apple store and, out of the blue, buys a 27-inch iMac and makes a plethora of excuses to Mike as to why she had to buy it, citing alleged intermittent screen issues on her current 24-inch iMac. And by the end of her story, it appears that, financially, Elaine had no other choice than to buy the the top-of-the-range 27-inch iMac. Yes, the Apple distortion field had worked its magic once more. In June of 2010, iPad UK pre-order day arrives. Mike does his usual trick of phoning multiple Apple stores to check whether an in-store pickup was available. He obviously is very distrustful of Apple store staff, a worrying trait. And then, of course, iPad delivery day arrives with ensuing hyper-excitement. However, the happiness didn't last long, as Mike finds a faulty pixel on his iPad screen. There followed an epic visit to the mothership to sort out this errant screen pixel situation, where Mike fails to convince the Apple Store manager to replace his faulty iPad, and so it was that Mike did the sensible thing, and called in the big guns, in the guise of Elaine, who comes up with a very cunning plan. But the story does not end there. Oh no, things would never be that simple for the MacBytes crew. But I just haven't got time to retell that chapter of the great iPad debacle. Instead, we do a quick bypass of the World Cup Vuvuzela and move on. Episode 45, July 2010, where the dreaded Vuvuzela makes an unfortunate return. (laughs) And Elaine is still holding out for Blu-ray in her Max. Poor girl. In this episode, they head off at the crack of dawn to, in their mind, casually queue up at the Apple store for the iPhone 4, only to be confounded by a locked door in the Arndale Centre car park through which they could see other customers being allowed into the Apple store ahead of them. However, it all ended happily when they acquire their two iPhone 4s. Elaine, here back in July 2010, again predicts an iWork update for January 2011. Yes, some 14 months later, we are still waiting for iWork to be born again. And we have an interview with the famous creator of the Woodpad iPad stand. Yes, James C. Turner. And I mean really famous, because James has appeared on the BBC. And I've just, <laughs> I've just realised what an apt name James has for someone whose career is in woodworking. After a long break of four months, the mighty MacBytes crew returns with more wild predictions, including that iWork, yes, yet again, will be the first Apple app in Mac App Store. You try saying that three times fast, very difficult, but I'm not retaking it. Mike reviews the pogo stick. Yes, that bouncy, springy toy from the 1970s, complete with wonderful boing sound effects. 
oh, all right, it was a pogo stylus, but yeah, I remember the pogo stick. It was far much more, much more fun. We enter 2011 with some woman from Oz rambling on about Ram, Ramgate, Ram something, Ram... Ugh. Anyway, forget her. She's not important. Elaine, Elaine shows off with her 16 gig Ram in her iMac and then goes on to tell us what she used to do on her dates with Mike. Far too much information for our delicate ears. Better behaved batteries and no one anywhere in the world will admit to having purchased an Apple battery charger. Elaine gives Mike a difficult time while he tries to talk about his new silicon iPhone case to replace the Apple bumper. The talk of rubber and silicon is all too much for Elaine and she dissolves into a hysterics once more. What should we do with this woman? And the erroneous news of iWork 11 briefly sent Elaine into ecstasy but she soon descended to deep misery once more when it became apparent that the rumour was false and we returned to the real world of still living with iWork 09. How last decade is that? And hark, is that the sound of the Goombay dance band we hear? Unfortunately, yes it is. iPad 2 predictions are rampant prior to the Apple Elive event that is upcoming and the Mac Love Bites Ooh, is introduced. More brain-baffling, calendar-sinking techniques. Oh, please make it stop. And Steve Sheridan is still waiting for his T-shirt, emblazoned with the words, Mac bites, and so does Elaine. Next, we have the sordid tale of how Elaine outstares a peacock and then races Percy the peacock to her office appointment. Only in Elaine's world does this sort of thing happen. A three-month break ensues, but upon their return, they regale us with the tale of their iPad 2 launch day at the Liverpool Apple Store. And it becomes obvious why, if you want to retain any semblance of dignity, you should avoid going with the MacBytes crew to an Apple Store when purchasing a new iPad. Why? Because Elaine will stand there in full public view and drape a jacket over her head. Yes, Elaine thinks this is quite a fashionable look. But apparently this is her favoured technique for obscuring all light while she examines an iPad screen. Personally, I just think she is trying to impersonate an ostrich. Plus, we hear the podcast outtakes, where Elaine says she requires more foreplay from Mike during recordings. Oh dear me, shall we move on? In June 2011, Elaine and Mike report on the news from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference and Mike complains that phone calls interrupt his music on the iPhone. So I guess that's when he's listening to the Goombay dance band. Elaine gives us sage advice over the purchase of iTunes gift certificates in shops. But she forgot to mention one piece of essential information with regards to checking the activation receipt against the iTunes card. And what, I hear you ask, is that essential piece of information? Well, I'm sure one of you asked. It is to remember to take your own microscope to read the minute sized numbers on those cards. Don't try to tell me it's my age. That print is really, really small. As we head towards the last months of 2011, our redoubtable pair comment on the diminishing amount of colour in OS X as our world turns to shades of grey.
However, Elaine has a cure for this affliction in the form of some clever OS X tweaking. But I shall leave you to go and find out what the answer was. Elaine admits to using a mousepad costing £32. That's $50, for goodness sake. Oh, she's the queen of accessories of a tech nature, all right. And poor Mike has to explain what happened to his trousers when he dropped his keys. We enjoy the heady days of two shows in a week, but then we return to the excitement of erratic show production. But do we complain? No, we carry on our daily lives in anticipation of another show hitting our feeds and longing for the ooh. By October 2011, Lion is finally installed at the MacBytes headquarters, but the occasion is speckled with various hiccups and discombobulations. Elaine goes apoplectic at the rumour of a certain MacBytes listener drifting off to sleep while listening to MacBytes. I don't know who that could have been. And anyway, Mike admits to doing the same, but only, of course, when listening to unnamed other podcasts. In episode 56, we hear Elaine and Mike pay tribute to Steve Jobs following his death in October 2011. It is a moving episode on how the imagination of Steve Jobs changed not only their computing lives, but their social lives, and I think we can all empathise with their comments. In October, the dynamic duo discuss the Apple Live event, always an exciting online social event for all keen MacBiters, and a whole slew of MacBytes listeners come out of the woodwork and admit to nodding off while listening to the MacBytes. In episode 58, we have a live, on-the-road recording as MacBytes crew head off to Liverpool for iPhone 4S launch day. We follow them through their journey to the final finishing line of actually getting their sticky little mitts on a brand new iPhone 4S. At 6.15am, they're in the queue, in the cold, damp queue. And there are 300 people in front of them in the queue. How many? 300. At 07.30, Apple staff bring coffee to those in the queue. But Elaine is bereft as they fail to offer her any tea. It's now 07.45 and the high fives commence, but it doesn't seem to have quite the usual Apple excitement. But it's not the British reservedness preventing the expected whooping and screeching, but instead the MacBytes crew suspect it's due to the people in the queue being non-geeks, only interested in an iPhone and then moving on to shoe shopping. This absolutely appalls Elaine, who Mike tries to calm by plying her with tea. After three hours, they're in the store, and Elaine is jumping for joy at having obtained her black 64-gig shiny new iPhone 4S. The adventurous pair retire to the safety of the nearby Starbucks, where Elaine devours a bucket full of tea, and Mike has hot chocolate with cream, and there are photos to prove it. All is well with the world when the MacBytes crew have new tech. And so we leave our intrepid pair to continue their happy lives, buying Apple gear, producing the MacBytes podcast and hosting the fun and wacky MacBytes live events, here keeping the loyal listeners very happy. Long may it continue, guys, and thanks for all the hours of entertainment you've given us over the years. And so this has been just yet another Day Down Under. Catch you all next time, guys.
Jane, that was fantastic. The Blu-ray. I'm still waiting. Do you know what? I can honestly say two 27-inch iMacs on. I'm still waiting. Now you'll wait for much longer as well. I've given up. At reverse psychology. I've given up. I don't want Blu-ray on my Mac. They'll be out next week. I've got to agree about the colouring lion as well. Just had a fit myself today. Have you had Skype mysteriously vanish? I have. I think it's happened on both machines, actually. It's happened to me three times now. Um, obviously, I've got Skype on the machine we record on. And I swore it had vanished from under me. Literally, I went to the machine and I thought, Skype's not on here. And it must have been because we, you know, we just finished a recording. So I thought, maybe it was me. Maybe I did something. So I reinstalled it. And it disappeared again within a couple of weeks. So I'm there today thinking, where's Skype gone? Yet again, it had disappeared. So I downloaded it, reinstalled it. And then you said you'd had the same. I ran it about two days ago. And then last night when I did my Mac update, uh, desktop update, it um, updated it. And then today when we've gone to record, it's not there. Exactly. It's not me then. No. Thankfully, it's not me. But that wasn't my rant. That was my first half of my rant about Skype. My second half of the rant was, and um, once I did have it installed and I had to obviously put the password in and all the rest of it, it was a completely clean install, as if it had never been there, but it had. Um, and I noticed that the icon in the menu bar, yes, my menu bar, I never said it could go there, but it did. Um, instead of it being red, which you put it onto when you don't want to be disturbed, it's just black. And it literally just looks now like a black blob. With a yeah, mine's the same. Exactly the same. I could have sworn as well that that was red only two days ago. Honestly. Uh, on a different machine, I'll grant you, but even so. So I'm looking at it thinking, oh, they've obviously changed the default. And I don't like it. I'd rather have the colour back in that. Because I think I can understand why people want them black. They want sort of uniformity in that menu area. But the whole point is, if, it, if, if an icon is there to indicate something important like that you're on do not disturb i would rather have it red it makes more sense so it stands out from all the rest so i went through the preferences thinking well there must be a preference because it used to be red and now it's black so they've added black to it oh yes they have and they've taken away all the other colors no mm. options whatsoever no How i had a look on the improvement no i had a look on the forum before when we when we noticed it and everyone else is kicking off about it as well well, I know before they changed it to black, people were saying they wanted it black. But obviously there's going to be personal opinions involved. If you've got icons for both of them, leave them both in. Let me choose. I mean, look at found. It wouldn't have rated if I couldn't have changed that icon from pink, would it? True. I'm sure you can find a terminal hack. Oh, I, I wish I didn't keep having to do that. No. That, no, I think Skype. Skype is different. Skype is notifying you of something i mean some of them like caffeine i don't really care what color the icon is it's it doesn't really indicate much to me that i could live without the icon but with skype the icon is there for feedback and obviously red and green mean something why change it worked why break it anyway a little oh, good old jane gave me an, an in there for a, for a coloring lion rant and um t-shirts mac bites yes i think for our fifth birthday what do you reckon I think we should. Yeah, yes. let's go for we'll it. We'll get on to that. But yeah. over to you. Yeah, we had an email as well from the Sisters of Spam. 
just a quick email to congratulate you on such an excellent and informative podcast. The sisters recently discovered your podcast on iTunes while sitting in the refectory after prayers and now never miss an episode. You will remain in our prayers. Mother Superior Senga, the sisters of Spam website. <laughs> I love that. We visited the site, didn't we? We did. It's, I it's, love it. It's brilliant. And it's... Um, it's as well as being a great website it's a very worthwhile cause as well isn't it it is it's all about um saving people from the perils of spam so it's excellent there's a video up there as well well worth watching so uh, we shall put a link to that in the show notes and really great to hear from you now we've got mother superior keeping an eye on us Mm, make sure that clean tag remains clean what absolutely absolutely anyway we also um we've heard from jonathan who has finished his exams not without incident poor jonathan but he's finished his exams and next week he is in mac love bites so something for him to look forward to next week minster she said next week more coming soon from mac jim too who is probably at this very instant racking his brains to recall what he sent in be a surprise then but onward events yes it's that time of year it is wwdc next week in fact it could be depending when you're listening to this last week but i trust that you'll be listening without delay and it is still next week so i think for our coverage it's it's what it's a MacBytes live what can i say a legendary MacBytes live it is uk time 5 30 on monday night which is silly o'clock in australia and uh, not quite so silly o'clock anywhere in america so we shall be there chatting and playing keynote bingo got to be done got to be done i fear and um, we're very excited i'm making no predictions because everybody does predictions and we've no clue i'd rather apple kept everything completely quiet and wowed us on the day so apple if you're listening no game demos we've had enough and could you drop the bit about the stores as well because we all nod off but apart from that feel free go for whatever you like and for jane so i wonder if anyone has worked out the conundrum are you going to put them out of their misery what has got one leg wobbles seductively is battery powered and has been swathed in rubber by an increasingly desperate member of the matbikes crew of course it could only happen to me it's a wireless keyboard now just to take you through that piece by piece only one leg if you look at your keyboard from the top you'll think what leg yes it has two very thin strips of rubber underneath they are legs mine only has one it fell off hence it's wobbling seductively you wouldn't think it made that much difference it's no more than a millimeter honestly but when you try typing on it, it wobbles if you only have one leg. Of course, it's battery powered and I've tried to fix it. Yes, to be honest, it's a stupid design. Sorry, Johnny, but it's not one of your best. This is not the first keyboard that I've lost a leg on. I think you've overused it myself. Well, possibly, but I don't think any piece of Apple hardware should be outlasted by the batteries, do you? No. No. So what I did, I tried superglue. Do you know, I've never got anywhere with superglue. I don't think I have ever, ever successfully glued anything with superglue. I know it works fabulously well on skin, or so I've been led <laughs> to believe. 
you know, when people <laughs> super glue people to lifts and things. But other than that, it's never worked for me for anything. And it lasted this time all of five minutes and then it fell off again. So then I decided plastic cement, you know, the kind of stuff that you put um, for, for Airfix models. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea at all. It stretched the rubber, which is never good. So I gave up at that point and thought, well, what if I just take the other leg off? Now, I shouldn't be thinking like this. Now, I had mentioned in an Apple store that I had a problem with said leg. And they said, because it's um, under warranty, they would swap it. So that's fine for that keyboard. But I never got round to that. And this is a second keyboard. And I thought, I can't keep taking these keyboards back. Plus the fact it shouldn't really happen. So I started looking for small rubber feet. You wouldn't think it was difficult, would you? Yes, knowing you. Yes, it was nigh on impossible. There just isn't anything that you could use that would, would work given the design of the keyboard. You know, because at the back, the back bit where these legs are, they would have to be long and very, very thin. So you couldn't buy something like, you know, like a one centimetre rubber foot because there's just nothing that's one centimetre to stick it to. But I outwitted them. I found something. It is a non-slip tape designed for outdoor use on decking. It doesn't sound good, but it doesn't look half bad. I, I needed to buy the smallest length they had, which was three metres. I actually needed one millimetre. So I, I did. I, I bought that. It was £8.50 and it was more in hope than expectation. But it worked. It worked. In fact, I'm thinking somebody somewhere has worked out what I wanted it for because um you know when you go to Amazon and it says you bought this what do you think of buying this mm. you know you bought one washing machine would you like another one <laughs> that kind of stupid thing well it says you know, you bought this would you like to buy another one and I looked at it just glanced at it thinking no I think my three meters will last me quite a while and I knew I'd paid £8.50 for it because I thought that was all its money I've caused a rush panic buying it's now £37.80 <laughs> so I wouldn't recommend anybody try and buy this at the moment. Wait for the price to go down. But um, it's working surprisingly well. You know, you should block that with pictures and show people how to do it. Excellent idea. <clears throat> Blows dust off blog. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As ever, we would love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. There's a form on the contact form on the website, or you could send us an audio file. And how about leaving a comment on the show notes, macbytes.co.uk. And keep sending your Mac Love Bites in. We love to hear them and we love to share them. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. Yes, I'm still there. I'm hanging on. You can also sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk and follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesSiri. So until next time, this has been Elena Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Mike? Yes? Not that I like your chain to the kitchen or anything, but have you got some flapjack ready for Monday? No. Oh. Could you have some flapjack ready for Monday? Maybe. Hmm.